We've been in a series called Dumbest Things I Learned in Church, and uh, today we're going to see how silly it is to think that there's only one way to pray, and uh, I know that that's going to be a little stretching for, again, for some of you. I also know, and I guess I should say thank you for still coming to East Point, because I, I know this has been a controversial series in some ways, that we've addressed some issues that are tough. Um, I know that not everybody agrees with everything that is said from this platform, whether I'm the speaker or not, and, and I know that not everybody agrees with everything I say. What a shock. And I get that. I really do understand that, and I'm okay with that reality. This is not a cult. I'm not asking you to uh, sign up, you know, and agree with everything I ever say from, from this platform. But I do want you to know that I, I value being relational, value being real. And sometimes, guys, when you're relational and you're real, and real is very important to me, sometimes it gets a little raw. Sometimes it's not quite as pretty. Sometimes it makes us a little uncomfortable. And I'm good with that as well, and I just want to thank you. I hope you know that my hope for us is that we'll grow and become more like Jesus, and that's really what we're trying to do. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming back. This morning, we're going to take a look at what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not going to bash the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to bless it, and I'm going to say it's a good thing. But um, we're going to see how it's not just the way that we're supposed to pray, that there's more than that. But before we get into that, let me just address some things that, uh, about our perspective on prayer. One of the things that I'm very aware of is how scary praying in public can be for some people. If I were to grab this mic right now, I'm not going to, so relax. But if I were to grab this mic right now and walk into the auditorium, say, I, I need somebody to pray for us right now publicly. I'm going to ask you to stand and take this mic and pray. Some of you would, would instantly stop breathing. <laughs> there might even be a little puddle underneath your seat because you would get so... So terrified. You would become keenly aware of every coffee stain, every dirt, speck of dirt and, 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 and garbage on the floor because that's where your eyes would go. You would be staring at the carpet. You wouldn't make eye contact with me. I get that for some, praying in public can be very scary. And I also know that because I've experienced that as well. When I was 19 years old, I was in Bible school. I was in the preacher factory. And I was going there and, I'm, and, and in a class. And one day, out of the blue... The professor turned to me and he said, Kurt, would you do us the honor of opening in prayer today? Now, I'm 19. I grew up in church. I had prayed publicly before in other settings. But suddenly in front of my peers in Bible school, being asked to pray, I freaked. I mean to tell you, my heart started racing. My mouth got dry. You know that feeling? I, I, I went brain dead. I can't think of who's, who, who do I pray to? What's his name? You know, and I, I mean, I'm seriously going into panic at the, and I'm sure it was only 10 or 15 seconds, but it seemed like an eternity while I'm trying to gather myself to pray. And then I prayed some really, I'm, I'm sure not very powerful, not very meaningful, said some religious words and kind of slapped, you know, the God thing on it and said, oh man, and then began to breathe again. I get how difficult that can be. I've been there. I know. I understand. And I tell you that's, that story, and I could tell you many others. Trust me, I can't. Because I understand how difficult this is in praying in public. Part of our, our struggle is that we equate praying in public with public speaking. And I won't ask you to raise your hands, but some of you would rather die than public speaking. You'd ra you would rather you know, lose a left arm or some vital part of your body than be asked to talk in front of people. And we equate public prayer with public speaking. So I get that. But I think there's more to it than that. I think some of it's a huge part of the struggle is wrapped up in our perspective of prayer. And this is really what I want to address today. I think in some ways we tend to see it as something we have to do in a particular way. We have to do it right. We have to get it done. And so when we think about prayer, 
especially those of us that live in a performance-based mode, we think, well, I, what if I don't do it right? Oh, I don't know how to pray. Well, I, and we immediately get anxious because we're, we've, we've attached performance to it. We're anxious about it because we think there's a right way or a wrong way, and we don't want to screw it up. And many struggle not just with public prayer, but in private prayer, just alone with God, because they really don't know what to say. What do I say to God? I don't know where to start. I, I don't know how to say it. And apparently the disciples of Jesus struggled with this as well, which is somewhat encouraging to me. In Matthew, we're going to read the passage, which is, again, referred to commonly as the Lord's Prayer. And it's a response. Jesus did this because the disciples are saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. Let me pick up Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. I'm going to come back to the word how, but notice here that he didn't say what you should pray, but how. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Luke's account of this prayer found in Luke chapter 11. You can read it on your own later. We find that Jesus had just finished praying. And apparently he was close enough for the disciples to have seen him or to at least known what he was doing. And he comes to, back to them, and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. We, we, and they probably watched him many times before. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And in response to their request, teach us, this is what Jesus did. And their response, he told them, this is how. Not what, but how. They'd grown up, the disciples had grown up in a religious environment. Most of them were good Jewish boys. They'd grown up in the synagogue. And they had heard uh, religious, flowery, formal prayers probably most of their life. But in Jesus, they experienced something different. What they saw and heard in him was radically different than what they had seen. And they wanted to know how to be like that. Part of my personal struggle with prayer is that I grew up in church as well. And I grew up uh, being taught that prayer was something you say. And uh, maybe that's your experience as well. I said the Lord's Prayer. I said many other prayers. Memorized prayers on a regular basis. That prayer was something you say. But the truth is, prayer is far more than just something we say as a memorized speech or as a, as a canned method approach to God. It's far more than that. So let me talk about the place of prayer. Let me talk about some things we need to understand about prayer. And here's the first thing if you're taking notes today. Number one in your outline. Jesus gave us a model for prayer, not a mandate for one method. Jesus gave us a model. In, again, what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer here, he gave us a method for prayer, not a mandate when he said, when the disciples said to, to Jesus, teach us to pray, Jesus didn't say, this is what you should pray. He said, this is how you should pray. And there's an important distinction I think we need to, need to make there. He didn't say, memorize this, and from now on, every time you pray, make sure these are the words you use. You, in fact, you will not find anywhere else in the New Testament this prayer repeated. No record of it in, in the, the New Testament where they were gathered together and this is the prayer they prayed. It's very significant that we understand the difference between the words what and how. Jesus was showing them how. It's kind of like if uh, you got a doctor, a pre-med student, he's, he's learning how to do surgery. You know, and you can be told the how. You know, your teacher can say, well, you want to cut here. You know, find the yucky stuff. Notice my high medical terms there. Find the yucky stuff there and pull that out, and, and that's, the, that's how you do surgery on you know, removing an appendix. Now, you could do that. But, but it's better if someone showed how, if there, if there is a model. If first they, the student watches the doctor, 
watch me do this. And they practice on cadavers. And, and if you watch, that's, oh, wow, okay, I see something. It's better than just hearing. And then it's good when the, the teacher or the professor watches them do it as well. Says, no, you, you, you cut too deep there. You went too far there. Or you're on the wrong side. It's on the other side. But, <laughs> but I want the doctor who's been shown the how, not just told the what. And what we find in the Lord's Prayer is this beautiful prayer. It is a beautiful prayer. But Jesus never meant it to be this can memorize speech, but instead a model for our prayers. But I was taught, as perhaps some of you were, directly or indirectly, that there was a set method when you pray. And here's the things I, I was taught. And I'm, I'm not going to say these were bad or wrong, but here's what I was taught. First, you must bow your head. Close your eyes. Fold your hands. I think my mom did that to keep me from pinching my brother, but fold your hands. And then uh, the model that I was taught, the church I grew up in, suddenly you began to speak in King James English. Now, you would never talk like that to your friend. Hey, thouest, how you doing, friend? Th thee art ought to go with me over to thereest. You know, we didn't talk that way to people, but in prayer, that was the, kind of the way you were expected to do it. And so there was this model and this method that you were given. But prayer, let me just say it. Prayer is not a method. It's not a liturgy. It's not a technique. It's not a method. It's not, it's not just a canned approach that we're to take to prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a model, again, to how to approach God and how to pray to him. And I'm just going to walk through real quickly some things that Jesus, I think, meant for them to understand. Here's what he was teaching them. Here's the model he gave them. First, it reveals the focus of our prayers. When he said, our Father who art in heaven, the focus was God. It was all about him. And it wasn't about praying to some idol or to the air, or to something else, or someone else. It wasn't, you know, sometimes if you heard people pray, when they pray, they're really not praying to God, they're praying to everybody else in the room. And, that's, and it, the focus of prayer was our Father. The second thing we see in the prayer, and this is free if you're taking notes, you can write it in here. The second thing is, it encourages honor to God. He said, hallowed be your name. There's this honor that Jesus demonstrated when he approached the Father. And so there's, there's uh, this focus and then this encouragement to honor the third thing we see in this model of Jesus' prayer is that it discloses what ought to be the desire of our hearts. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The desire of Jesus was for the kingdom of God to be advanced and for it to be experienced here on earth as it is in heaven. And the focus of our prayers is God, we honor him, but it, the desire of our hearts needs to be, oh God, please come. Please come into my family situation. Please come into my finances. Please come into my, my, my friends. Please come to the place I work. Please come into my life where I need you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then the last thing I love about the Lord's Prayer is that it recognizes our dependence on God. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. It, it, there's this, this dependence you hear that Jesus was modeling for them that we ought to have in our relationship with God. So it reveals the focus of our prayers. It encourages honor to God. It discloses what ought to be the desire of our hearts, and it recognizes our dependence on him. And in this example of prayer that Jesus gave us, Jesus taught his disciples that God is near, that God cares, that he wants to hear from us. He taught them to come to him without fanfare, without religious display or formality, which is everything they'd seen so far, by the most part, of the religious people around them. He said, no, make a show of this. Come to our Father. Come to him and pray. He showed them how to be real and relational in our prayer to God, which takes me to point number two. Prayer is a personal conversation with the real and living God. I should probably give a lot more attention to this today than I have time for because this is really at the heart of what we see in the Lord's Prayer. 
And it is at the heart of the relationship God wants us to have with him. That it's a, when we come to pray, that it's a conversation with the real and living God. And one of the ways that's made very, very clear to us is in verse 9. Jesus prayed these words. Listen carefully. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He didn't say the name or what a name. He said your name. It's personal. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything about the way Jesus approached the Father was personal and real and conversational. Everything about his prayer was this connection that he made with God the Father. Jesus wasn't talking about God. He wasn't talking at God. And I will be honest with you, sometimes I've done both of those things in my prayers. I've talked at God, not with him. Jesus was talking to the living Father. It was personal and it was real. And that's one of the things I love about the model he gave for us. Now, once in a while, you find an example of this in the strangest place. And I want you to watch this little video clip and, and uh, look for what I've just been talking about. Hey, while we're here, why don't we all do some praying? Let's put a little church in this church. Oh, I'm not sure we it's should. It's easy. I'll show you how. Lord, Mary Cooper here, coming to you from Gomorrah, California. <laughs> I want to thank you for the blessing that is my little Shelly. I also want to thank you for the continued strength not to cold cock him with my Bible. <laughs> All right, Penny, your turn. Okay. Um, <clears throat> hey, God. What's up? <laughs> um, I'm good, but uh, it would be a big help to my family if you could get my brother to stop cooking meth. <laughs> but no cops. Be cool. She also goes a little overboard on the love thy neighbor. Could probably use that chat you had with Mary Magdalene. <laughs> Leonard, you're up. Wasserman, you're on deck. Okay, I don't know. It's probably a little late to ask you to make me taller. <laughs> oh, um, if you could help out with me and my girlfriend. She's all the way in India. That, that would be great. Hear that girl trouble. Turns out we were both wrong on that front. <laughs> How about you? Uh, me, no, thanks. I'm good. I'm really just trying not to burst into flames. <laughs> Rajes? Uh, he says he's having trouble dropping those last five pounds. Huh. I might have gone with the talking to girls thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, you only get one wish. Okay, now I would admit to you, I, I, that's the only time I've watched this program. And it's not necessarily a program that I can recommend, all right? Even that, this is the one I watched, and uh, it was funny, but, you know, most sitcoms are about one thing, and it's not the thing I want to encourage in church. But, I, you know, as I watched it, I thought, wow, that actually revealed some things that are fairly good. Now, I don't like Penny's, what's up, God? That's a little too casual. Remember, it's hallowed be your name. I think we need to come in honor to God. But I believe her name, if I'm not mistaken, is, is uh, Mary. And uh, she's the Sheldon's mother and a Christian from Texas. And it, uh, what I liked about what we did see there was that it was conversational and it was real. I, I, again, a television program, I know. A little crass, I know. But there was something conversational and something real about it. It was talking to God, not just at him. My parents used to say to me every night, have you said your prayers? Now, if you said that to your kids, don't feel bad. And again, my intent is not to, how could you do that? There's nothing evil in that. 
My parents asked me almost every night, Honey, have you said your prayers? And my response always was, Yes, I said my prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And I would, you know, rattle off this prayer, these words that I'd memorized, or maybe it was the Lord's Prayer. And what it did teach me was the value, and I came, and it was consistent. That's all good, 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 good. But please understand that the other thing it, it indirectly taught me is that prayer is, it was something we say rather than conversing with God. And when I began to understand later in life that prayer really is about a conversation with a real and living God, it changed my relationship with him in a radical way. In fact, it radically revolutionized my prayers and my faith. I started talking with God and not just at him. I started to converse with him. And when you begin to converse with God, there's some pretty incredible things that can happen. And let me just describe a few that I've experienced and maybe you have as well. One of the things that you'll experience when you talk with God is that you become aware of his presence. When you're talking at God, now, I won't, do not raise your hand. But if your spouse talks at you, do they really feel, do you feel like they're aware that you're in the room, that you're really there? Or are they just talking at you? There's a big difference. But when there's this eye contact and interaction and conversation that's taking place, then there's this I, I'll, I'll make up a word, withness there. You, you get that they're, they're aware of your presence. When we talk with God, instead of just at God and just say our prayers and just rattle off something we memorize, then one of the cool things that happens is we become aware of his presence. We become aware that God is for real. And in his presence, there's something else that happens. There's this clarity that comes. I cannot really describe for you how that works, but I know it does. That when I begin to talk and converse with the living God, when I am in relationship with him, praying with him, sharing my heart with him, honestly expressing my frustrations, my joys, and everything in between, my fears, my anger, when I'm expressing all of that to God and I'm having a conversation with him, not only am I aware of his presence, but in that presence, in his presence, I become more keenly aware of things and clarity begins to happen. The, I have a different perspective. My circumstances may or may not change. And to be honest with you, a lot of the time, just because I prayed with God, my circumstances didn't automatically change. But my perspective, do you understand what I'm saying? That my perspective changes. Suddenly, I'm beginning to see it a little differently from a different view. Maybe I'm seeing it from his view. Maybe I'm seeing it from another person's view. But with that clarity comes a different perspective as I pray to God. And then there's a third thing that happens, and this is the most important thing that I experience in in my prayer, is that not only do I feel this presence and have this clarity, but then there's this comfort and this peace that comes. There's the comfort and peace of God that I can begin to experience that I would not experience in any other way. I've been spending and meditating a lot, spending a lot of time in Philippians chapter 4. I want to read you a few verses, Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Paul wrote these words, and he says, don't worry about anything. Anybody worried about anything this week? Come on. Well, the challenge, and it is a challenge. The scripture says the call of God is don't worry about anything. Instead, here's the alternative. Instead, pray about everything. God understands our human nature. He understands the way we're wired. He knows that most of us worry about something at some point. Some of us are worry warts, and we worry all the time. And God says, instead of being like that, instead of going there, pray about everything. And then he goes on and says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. 
Tell him, God, here's what I need, here's where I need you. Go, God, 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 please, 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 please. And by the way, thank you, God, for what you have done. And there's something powerful that happens when we're asking in the context of praise and thanksgiving. Because it reminds us that God has worked on our behalf. That God has come through for us before. And then when I'm saying, God, I need you here, I need you to do something. I say, and I know you've done it, and I've seen what you've done before. It's not like I'm reminding him. I'm reminding me. And it's, again, bringing that perspective God, you've, you've met me so many times. You've met me here. Tell God what you need, and then thank you for all he's done. And verse 7, very important word, then. Then. Here's the result. Here's the fruit. Then you will experience God's peace. Not human peace, not your own peace, not the peace that comes from everything getting fixed the way you want it. The peace of God, which exceeds anything we can understand. God's peace goes beyond our human capacity to even figure it all out. But his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Man, I, I want to insert this real quickly. I want to challenge some of you to memorize this passage or to spend so much time in it this next week that you become keenly aware of what God wants you to be aware of here. That you meditate, read it over and over again. That you break it down. That you put it on a card, slap it in your, in your uh, car. Put it on your mirror in front of you where you get dressed in the morning. Put it on your refrigerator. Read this over and over and over again. And understand that it's a call from him to come conversationally, to come to in a real, a real way to a real and living God and to cry out. Prayer is personal. It's a personal conversation with the real and living God who actually wants you to bring all your stuff, all your pain, all your hurts, all your wounds, all your needs to him. To tell him what you need and to thank him for all that he has done. And when we do, when we do, the promise is that we will experience God's peace in a way that exceeds our ability to comprehend. Most of you know, and I've talked about it quite a bit in the last few months, that this has been a, one of the hardest years of my life. In fact, I met with somebody for coffee yesterday, and they said, I haven't seen him in quite a while. I said, how you doing? I said, well, it's been the best of times. It's been the worst of times. That's, this, without question, 2011 has been the hardest year of my life. Wrestling with cancer, personally dealing with that, and surgery, and all the stuff related to it. Losing two of my great heroes, my stepdad and my uncle. Uh, financial things that I've dealt with for us as a church. I mean, there's just been one thing, and I, I, that's just the short list. One thing after another of struggles and things that I've had. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent with you many times. Not just once or twice, guys. Many times. I've you know, woken up about 3, 3.30 in the morning to use the restroom. It's an old guy thing. You'll figure it out someday. And it's all the old guys are laughing. But, I, you know, I, I'll, I get up to go to the restroom, and, and I come back in bed, and I cover myself up, and I turn over, and then what I call the worry monster starts to land on my chest. You know what the worry monster is? And my brain starts going, and I start thinking, and I start going through all the what ifs, and what about this, and what about that, and God, and, 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 I, and I have a choice at that point. I can lay there and toss and turn for the next hour, or I can get up, take my fanny into the living room, and walk and pray. And I'm telling you, guys, I am telling you, every time, and I'm not making this up, every time I have got out of bed, I've gone to the living room, yes, it's the wee hours of the morning, yes, I should be sleeping, yes, I'm thinking about how tired I'm going to be the rest of the day, but when I take myself and begin to walk and pray in, in a circle in my living room and cast my cares on him, tell God how, what I need, tell him how I feel, every time there's been this presence, sometimes, sometimes, just but I, I, there's this awareness that I have that God is there. He's met me here. 
every time there's a different perspective I begin to have and some clarity that comes to my situation. And guys, every time I experience the peace of God. Now, I will tell you, it's a peace that sometimes lasts about two hours. And then I got to go back and get some more peace. Sometimes it lasts for a day or a week or two weeks or a month. You know, it's not like got your, you know, peace inoculation, you're good to go. But the call is pray, cast your cares on him. And, and when you do, then you'll experience that peace of God in a way that transcends anything you could ever know on your own. The power of prayer is not in the eloquence of our words. It's not found in our ability to memorize and repeat some worn out prayer. The power of prayer is simply found as we come to him. It's found as we experience time with him, as we invest time in conversation with the Father, with the one who is near, and who cares for us and who loves us, with the one who longs to be in relationship with you and me, with the one who doesn't want you to carry that weight alone, with the one who doesn't want you to be consumed by fear. As we come and relate to the one who doesn't want that worry monster jump on in your chest to win, he wants you to know him. And it happens as we come in, in real and relational conversation with him in prayer. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk about. Number three, your outline. There's really only one mistake. People say, well, I don't want to do it wrong. Well, there's really only one mistake we can make when it comes to prayer, and that's not praying. There's really only one. Some don't pray because they don't get how powerful it is. And I hope today you've been challenged to rethink, maybe I need to invest more time. Notice I didn't say spend. Invest more time in prayer. But some of us don't do it because we don't really get how powerful it can be, not only personally what we experience, but how God moves when we pray and cry out to him. Okay, bear with me for a second. And if there's some little kids in here, I'm about to burst your bubble. I'm so sorry. But you, you all know that Santa's not real, right? I know. Matt's like, what? But let's, just for the sake of example, let's pretend that Santa is real, just for a moment. Sorry, Nathan. Let's pretend that Santa is real. And if he was, how many of you would line up every opportunity you had to sit on his lap and ask him for something? How many of you would write letters to Santa every day, 365 days out of the year? Like, Santa, I know it's Christmas Day, but just in case it's not too late, we would write him, we would sit, we would ask if he was real. Now, I am not suggesting for a second that we approach God like some celestial Santa Claus. But what I do want you to get is God is real. God is way more powerful than anything, anyone, any other entity of power on the face of the globe. And if we get that, then why wouldn't we come and say, oh, God, I have this need. God, I am in desperate. God, I need you. God, please meet me here. If we really believe in the power of prayer, we're going to invest a lot more time in it. Some don't pray because they don't think they have time. They're too busy to pray. Well, I just don't have time. You know? And we think we got to get up at 4.30 in the morning and pray for two hours. Well, that's not necessarily what you have to do. We can mix prayer. You know, if I only talked to my wife once a day for about the first 10 minutes, that wouldn't go so well. But the fact that we can converse throughout a day, that I can pick up a phone and call her anytime, or she can call me. You can have that kind of com com conversation with God in the midst. Here's a little secret. You can be driving your car and pray to God. Keep your eyes open. You can be sitting here and, and sort of listening to me and pray to God. You can be at work looking like you're really, 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 really busy doing something real important and be praying to God. 
You can mix your life, your relationship with him throughout the day in this conversation. And and, and the busier I get, the more I want to pray. Some don't pray because they're afraid of not doing it right. And let me just blow that up today. It's not about getting it right. What if I don't use the right words? I don't care. That's not what matters to him. What matters is your heart and that you come. So get over the performance thing. Stop thinking you have to get it right to be able to come to God. That's not his desire from you at all. And some don't pray because they don't think they're worthy. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with somebody and they go, God doesn't want to hear from me. And some of you thought that. I, you know, I, I don't, you know, we're kind of like the guy who said, I'm just trying not to burst into flames right now. You know, and so he doesn't want to pray because he's afraid that if God gets his attention, he's going to implode or explode. Or, and we think, I'm just not worthy. I just, God doesn't want to hear from me. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just messed up. And I, no, 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 no. In fact, here's my take on this. I think the worse we are, the more we need to pray. <laughs> the more messed up we are, the more we need to cry out to him. And God will hear. He's there. He listens. Listen, whether we think we have the right words or not, whether we believe we're worthy or not, whether we feel we're capable of talking to God or not, we just need to talk to him. Reach out and talk with him to a father who loves us beyond measure. You know, if you've got a toddler, whether you're a grandparent or a parent, one of the things that um, is very common is that they babble. And, and, uh, and, you, and, and as a parent or as a grandparent, does that tick you off? You know, you're talking to your 10-month-old. When are you going to learn to talk in plain English? What's wrong with you? We didn't do that to a child. There's no way. They may not use any words, let alone the right words. They may come and babble because they're happy. They may come and babble because they're sad. They may come and babble because they're tearful. They may come and babble because they're afraid. But it's the fact that they're just attempting at something. What does every mom and dad and grandparent do? Oh, come here, honey. I'm so proud of you. Mommy cares, you know. We care. And that's us humans. God cares so much more. And we, we worry about what if it just sounds like gibberish to God? He doesn't care. What if it doesn't make sense to anybody else and not even me? He doesn't care. What he cares about is that we come, that we come to him and that we love him. I want to finish today with uh, something that... Um, I want you to do in a different way. Jesus gave us the model of the Lord's Prayer. And what I want you to remember is that it's relational, it's real, it's conversational. That's what he intended for us to get out of this. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And uh, we're going to uh, pray the Lord's Prayer together today. But here's what I want you to do. For some of you, this will be the first time you've ever said these words out loud. You're either new to the faith, maybe you're investigating Christianity, maybe you just never prayed this or read this as a prayer before. Some of you, like me, grew up praying this all your life, and you've been there many, many, many times you've prayed this prayer. And by the way, I'm going to do it in the King James English because that's how I memorized it. So it's going to be King Jimmy. Um, But here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we wrap this up today. Perhaps for the first time, would you bring these words to him as a child praying to a father? Not as just something that's memorized, some canned prayer, not as just something religious that you feel like you need to do. But would you literally and for real pray these words to a God who loves you, who is your Father, and pray them as a child to him. Let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, thank you that we can come to you as a God who is our Father. We honor you. We want to respect you. We don't want to come flippantly to you. But God, we can come relationally to the one who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. We can come to the one who is Abba. The scriptures call you Daddy, Abba, God, Father, God. And we can come and relate to you in ways that we, Lord, should be special and awesome and wonderful. And I I don't know, Lord, um, the story of every person in this room or anyone that might be watching online. But I do know, Lord, that you know their story and that you care about them and that you want them to come to you. And Lord, like me, some of us have grown up with memorized can prayers. We've said prayers lots of times. Would we leave here today with a better understanding that what you want us to do is to not talk at you, but to talk with you. To not just say something, but to talk with the living God who loves us, who cares for us. I might ask you to keep your head bowed just to offer some privacy for a moment. And maybe you're here today and you've not yet begun your life as a Christ follower. And maybe today you thought a light went on. Something happened and you, you get that this whole thing is not about religion or church, but really is about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you get it. You think, man, I, I want that. I want a relationship. I want to be in relationship with God. I want to know Him. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. And if you're here today and that's you, I'm going to pray this very simple prayer. And again, it's not just the words. What matters most is what's in your heart. But if you want to make this your heart, your words, just own this prayer as I pray this simple thing. And as you do, this will be your beginning of faith, your beginning, crossing the step, uh, that line of faith into, into relationship with him, stepping into relationship with the Father right now. Make these words yours. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. I have failed you. I've gone my own way. And right here, right now, I see my need. I need to be in relationship with you. I need forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need you. And so right here, I come. I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. I am saying yes to you today. I'm beginning my life as a Christ follower right here, right now. And I'm not sure all that that's going to involve and entail. I still got a lot of questions. But what I know is that you love me. And right here, I'm declaring my love for you my need for you. Thank you for saving me. Now, if that's you, just in your own way say, oh God, that is so me. That's what I want. And powerfully, the instant you do, because we pray to a living God, a real and living God, the instant those words in your heart reached him, he embraced you as his son, his daughter. Here he is. Lord, thank you for those that have made that decision today. Show them all that that means. Help them to to understand it's the beginning of an eternal journey with you. But God bless them right now as they've given their lives to you. Thank you for that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Usher's going to come. We're going to take our offering. And again, this is our opportunity to give because we love the Lord, to give, to bless Him. But let's give as we worship. I'll come back and wrap. Some of you today can sing that song for the first time in truth that you're free because of what Jesus did as you began your life as a Christ follower. Tell somebody today, make their day, be a great gift to them. And then back on the table as you leave, 
There's packets for new Christians. Got a Bible, some material to get you started in your walk with Jesus. And it's the beginning. I also want to challenge you. If you made that decision today, please go to the baptism class. And if you're here today and you haven't been baptized, go to the class. It starts in about 45 minutes in the new lobby. Get signed up for that and come back next week. We're going to celebrate. A couple of things before we go. Remember, Tree of Sharing. Please take a lot of those tags today. Sign up to help us with child care. Pastor Matt's out in the hallway. You can help us with that. And next week, we're going to finish this series. It's going to be an awesome time. We're going to land on some Christmas stuff and excited to see you back. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Walk with Jesus.